today we are in uh, part four of our series called You Asked For It. And uh, just as a quick reminder, this series is based upon a survey our church took at Easter time. Over 200 and some people sat in this room, they took a survey, and we asked them what messages they wanted to hear, what you wanted to hear. And so this series is the top five most requested sermons that you asked for. Number five, number, coming at number five, we talked about discovering God's purpose for your life. And your design actually shows a lot about your destiny. Coming at number four, we talked about surviving life's worst moments. And in coming at number three, last week, we talked about raising kids in today's culture. So these are, these are the things that you have been asking for, and I hope that it's been helping you in some way, shape, or form. But in today, coming in at number two, the, the topic today is dealing with difficult people. <laughs> Your response speaks volumes. And for dealing with difficult people to be the number two most requested sermon from our church, well, I think that tells us a few things. One, it probably tells us that um, there's difficult people in your life. That could, maybe it is coworkers, or maybe it is a boss. But it's also likely that dealing with difficult people is your family. Family dynamics are interesting sometimes, but, but I, it seems as though that New Life Church is, has some difficult people in their lives, and this is a cry for help. And so today, I just want to give you, I'm going to give you four things uh, that I hope will inspire you to not give up on dealing with difficult people, because that's the tendency. So when there's a difficult person in your life, you just decide, I'm not going to try anymore with them. This is just how it's always going to be. Communication is always going to stink. It's always going to be difficult. And defenses start to go up. And when defenses go up, nothing gets fixed. So if anything, I hope to just inspire you, those of you, uh, and it's not just one or two. This is the number two most requested sermon of our church. To not give up on dealing with difficult people. And I would tell you that as long as you live, you will always have to deal with difficult people. You can choose how that will affect you. Uh, I know that when you have a difficult person in your life, it can be straining on your mind and emotions and just like, it just weighs on you all the time. And that person, you see them call or you, they, they show up to work that day or they, they, you, know, you, you, have to, you have to visit them and, and just anxiety goes up. And I want, I want you to know that even in dealing with difficult people, anxiety doesn't have to go up. If you keep some of these principles, I'm going to share with you in mind. Now, with this, this topic, though, is so large, I want you to know that uh, what I will say today cannot and won't be your, your magic bullet. It's not going to end all and fix all. We could really probably do a six-part series just on how to deal with difficult people. Because there's just, there's just so many layers to something like uh, 
interaction with others. And a lot of it has to do with our character. So we can, we can talk about character. A lot of it has to do with, with how we view one another. We can talk about, but, if, but today I want to give these four principles in how to deal with difficult people that I hope will translate in your personal life with your family, in your work life, or even just your life and how you encounter strangers in the world, or even here in the church, dealing with difficult people. I've been a pastor for 15 years, and I have yet to encounter a difficult person in the church. (laughs) Why are you laughing? I, I can't say I'm good at this, but I can tell you, I have come a long way. And like they say, practice makes perfect, and apparently God wants me to be perfect. (laughs) I get to practice a lot, a lot, a lot. Dealing with difficult people. Let me show you what Romans 12, 16 says. It says, live in harmony with one another. Live in harmony with one another. The thing about harmony is they're playing different parts, but they're in the same key. And, uh, and the person that you find to be difficult in your life, they're playing a different part than you, but they clash because you're not in the same key. But if you can get in the same key and you can be unique, you can still be yourself, because the problem is when people encounter difficult people, they're each trying too hard to make them like themselves. If they would just be like this, in other words, what you're saying, if they would just be more like me, we'd get along if they would do what I say. And the other person say, if they would just hear me and listen to me, we'd probably get along. Um, but you're likely never gonna be the same, and that's not even the point. It says live in harmony. So in other words, you have to, you gotta change keys. You gotta change mindsets. You gotta change attitudes so that you can be aligned and at least be in the same key. Uh, if you've ever been a musician of any kind, there's times when, as a team, we'll, uh, when we're rehearsing, uh, we'll start a song and be like, someone's not in the same key. It is so obvious when somebody is not in the right key. And it's the same for you. It may seem obvious to you that someone that you're dealing with is difficult and it's obvious they're out of the same key. You know what they think? They think you're not in the right key. And you think they're not in the right key. And now the tension and anxiety goes up. Live in harmony with one another. Romans 12, in the, in the 14th verse, it says this. It says, bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. This is so countercultural to our day and age. Bless those who persecute you. How about we cancel them? Bless? No. see, The kingdom principle is learning how to live in harmony with people. The world says if you disagree, then be divided. And and then you're going to have a lot of difficult people in your life. Bless, do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those and mourn. So I want to give you basically four key principles that I hope are going to help you in dealing with difficult people. And the first one is learn how to be sympathetic. Be sympathetic. Being sympathetic is all about trying to see it from their point of view, trying to hear beyond the tone, trying to hear beyond the emotion, and just think to yourself, what is it that I think they really want, and really feel for them. 
Like, like maybe if you had some perspective outside of yourself, you would see uh, they're probably difficult because deep down there is a need they have and they would love to see us fulfill that need or, 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 or whatever. And how can I kind of flip the script on this situation and see what's really going on and having sympathy for, for other people? What, what you should know is that every time we show sympathy, uh, people's reasoning brains turn on. People, so when you choose uh, every time that you show sympathy, you begin to be more, re- oh, what's the word, reasonable. And uh, I think it's important to have a perspective to remember that sympathy is what the Holy Spirit shows you when you fail. Sympathy is the Holy Spirit's um, move towards you when you're a stinker, when you're being difficult. The Holy Spirit chooses to be that comforter. He doesn't punish us. He comforts us. And so when we deal with difficult people in our life, we automatically go to defenses, offenses, on the attack, but, but if we can really lead with sympathy and ask questions of ourselves, why is this person being so difficult? And Lord, how can I be sympathetic towards them? Because when we choose to lead with sympathy, now we can begin to operate with reason. If, you can't, if you're not being reasonable, then you're being emotional. And um, I mean, how do you reason with a drunk. You can't. They're, they're just not in the right mind. How do you reason with someone that is, uh, that is in, a, in a fit of anger? You can't. But when you are lead with sympathy and you can reduce anxiety and emotion, you can actually begin to formulate a plan to help this relationship move forward. But every time we deliver threats or anger, then our reasoning brains shut off. There is things that happen in our brain when we get angry. You've heard me say this before. There's two emotions you really you can't afford to have and make important decisions. The, the, the first one is sexual arousal. Something, all the blood leaves the brain and goes somewhere else. And when that happens, you lose about 25% of your IQ. And if um, the average adult has an IQ of 100 and you lose 25%, you land at about 75. 70, an IQ of 70 is considered to be mentally handicapped. So this is why people don't make good decisions in that frame of mind. But the other emotion that affects our lives is anger. When we become angry, all the blood leaves our brain and goes to our main muscle groups. We're prepared for a fight. Uh, there's, there's chemicals firing off in our brain at the time. IQ, again, drops 25%. And so we are this close to being mentally handicapped and we're trying to make important decisions. We're this close 
and we're trying to deal with difficult people. And when you're dealing with difficult people, it takes so much tact, it takes self-control, but if you respond with anger and threats, you're that close. And it's not likely you're going to make good decisions. That's why when we are angry, we say things we would never say. And how many of you have had to apologize for what you said when you were angry? So when dealing with difficult people, anger is not an emotion that we can afford to have and think that this is going to get any better. And so it's important then to, to, to recognize when anger and anxiety is, is, is going high and step back and choose sympathy towards one another. Um, when someone gets angry about, about another person being difficult, anger really diverts the focus from dealing with what's in front of us and anger is really all about focusing on the person that we're in the struggle with. Anger will attack, it will weaken, and it will destroy connection between two people every time. So every t- um, um, so showing sympathy opens the mind to understanding. And that's the place is so important to get. When you're dealing with a difficult person in your life, Try to think sympathetically towards them. And when you can do that, you may understand something that you didn't understand before. And you can say, oh, now I understand maybe why they communicate this way. Now I see the need. I see how I can maybe reframe this a little bit. So remember that sympathy works wonders. It really does. Sympathy will work wonders in your relationships, but sarcastic sympathy backfires every time. Sarcastic sympathy. Okay, I'm real sorry then. Oh, okay, I was the one that was wrong. Oh, you're the one that needs a break. Okay. Oh, you're right, you're right, Uh uh-huh, mm-hmm. Sarcastic sympathy. It's not going not gonna to work. So be sympathetic. Be sympathetic. Be sympathetic. Put yourself in their shoes. Try to see it from their side. Try to see it from their perspective. Ask questions to help you gain understanding. Though if the, there's one thing in life that I, I've learned, it is you have to be a good question asker because questions bring clarity. And so ask questions to gain understanding um, and be sympathetic. The second thing, is be like-minded. And whenever you, I think we naturally gravitate to people that we find likeness with. Like, oh man, like, uh, sometimes I say, man, like, uh, I just feel like we have the same heart. You know what I mean? Like, like you have this like-mindedness and it naturally just, uh, everything's just easier in that tip, maybe friendship. Everything's easier in that relationship. Things easier with that coworker because there's just a like-mindedness that you have. But like-minded doesn't mean that we always have to agree. But that's what we think it would mean. We think that like-minded means that we're going to agree on everything and which means that, which obviously means that you'll agree with me. Because I'm not the difficult one, you're the difficult one. And uh, but no, like-minded doesn't mean that we will always agree. Because the reality is is we all have different personalities. 
People have different temperaments. Um, you know, we have morning people and night owls. And um, I wouldn't say I'm necessarily a morning person, but I like to be the first one up. Uh, because I probably want to be the first one up to not have to deal with morning people. And have that a good start. So uh, there's extroverts and there's introverts. Uh, introverts, get, their energy gets drained by being with people. And extroverts get charged up by being with people. Yay, people! Introverts get charged up when they are alone. Yes! It's quiet. Oh, I'm just going to take a nap. And, uh, and extroverts get drained when they're alone. I need something to do. Hey, you want to do something? You want to go here? Want to do that? Why don't you come over? Can I come over? What you doing? And uh, as you can see, extroverts and introverts can sometimes drain one another. And they always usually marry each other. <laughs> A lot of times you see an extrovert and an introvert and they get married. And now, they're, now you're the difficult person in their life. Leave me alone. Why won't you hang out with me? Leave me alone. You know, I, yeah, it doesn't always happen that way, but a lot of times they marry each other. So there's, we all have different makeups. So even like we have different DNA makeups. We, we all come from different backgrounds. Like uh, people are raised different ways. And this affects how people interact with one another. Like someone may say, gosh, you're just the most difficult person. But that person's just operating out of the only framework they've ever seen. Like, the, my daddy did it this way. Or like, when I, when I had this job, this is how we did the job. I'm like, well, we don't do that job like this anymore. Why are you so difficult? And so your people's background and experiences help form how they interact with the world. So without sympathy and being able to understand one another, then you're going to get frustrated. Like, you're the most difficult person in the whole world. And uh, uh, so cultures, backgrounds, these things. Also education, socioeconomic status. These are... These differences in our lives do manifest in the way that we interact with one another. And, and then the differences begin to rise to the surface and like, you are so difficult. So how do we be like-minded then? If we're all different, we all have different backgrounds, maybe all raised differently, how do we be like-minded? Or maybe a better question is, whose mind do we use? And I would say, that we all need to choose to have the mind of Christ. So when dealing with difficult people, and, and, if, and if right now, because I know you asked for this message, it's the number two most requested sermon, you know who you're thinking about right now and who is the difficult person in your life. And it's likely they're thinking about you. You both need to make this choice, to be like-minded. But whose mind? Yours or theirs? Neither. You need, to, you need to lay down your thoughts and your ways for his and take on the mind of Christ. Romans 15 says it like this. Take a look. May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you the same attitude of mind toward each other that Christ Jesus has. So when dealing with difficult people, we need to have the same mind of Christ that the Lord has towards us 
and we can have it towards each other. It says, so that with one mind and one voice you may glorify God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. So may the God who gives you endurance, the God who, listen to this, God gives you endurance. God gives you encouragement. And so then he says, uh, so the same attitude of mind toward each other, you need to have that same attitude that God is gonna, he's gonna give you encouragement. He's gonna give you endurance. And he's saying, this is the type of mind you have to have when you're dealing with each other. Encouragement. Endur- In other words, endurance is patience. Long suffering. Long suffering. The same mind of Christ. So if we're gonna get along, I'd get along a lot better if they were just more like me. No, no, no. You would probably get along better if you both had the mind of Christ. So, be sympathetic, be like-minded. The third thing I'll tell you is we have to be humble. We have to be humble. Humility is an essential element to life in harmony with one another. It's real, it, the humility aspect is really the key ingredient to having harmony. Um, when I was a teenager, I participated in fine arts festival. If you've if you're been around the Assemblies of God long enough, you've been in fine arts. And, and, uh, and fine arts is kind of like the schools have solo ensemble. Do they still do solo ensemble in schools? Okay. It's like that, but it's like Christian. And uh, I remember in fine arts festival, I would do short sermons. Uh, and so we had to preach five-minute sermons, which is, can't be done, by the way. Uh, I've tried. Five-minute sermons for fine arts. I, I, was, I participated in Christian band, and that was a category in fine arts. And you get, they would evaluate you, and then you could get an invitation to go at, to the national level, fine arts. Oh, it's a big deal. So I did Christian band. I did worship band. I did short sermon. We did these things called human videos, pretty cringy stuff back then. And, uh, and I never made it to nationals in any of the categories I loved. I, I never made it to nationals in preaching, sorry. I never made it to nationals in Christian band, never made it to nationals in worship band. But every year we made it to nationals in our small and large ensemble. I was the only guy in our youth group that sings. And so I, I would be with all these girls and I wasn't complaining at the time, uh, but we would sing, you know, How Great Thou Art and acapella. And we do, but, but it was, the thing you had to learn when you're in an ensemble is not to overpower one another. You had to know how to find your spot in that group. You had to know when it was time for you to stand out and you had to know when it was time for you to just be a supporting part. And, and that's this idea of, of humility and harmony goes so well together. Because you can have harmony, but then there's just that one part that's just a little too in the mix. And when prideful people want to be too much in the mix, um, it sounds like harmony, but it's just, it's just a little off because it's still a little bit about you. So be humble in dealing with difficult people. Humility is the ability 
to associate with people that, guess what, aren't like you. So when we're dealing with difficult people, it's humility that gives us the ability to have relationship with people that aren't like us. We're gonna have a little bit more sympathy to understand that sometimes conversation with that person, it's not quite like conversation that I like to have with maybe some people I'm more, like, uh, more similar to. But I'm just gonna have sympathy for that. And, and um, in, because in Christ, um, all social statuses are, have been removed. Whether it's money, fame, physical appearances, they're not a factor. The world wants to divide us by these things, but the kingdom of God unites us around those things. Humility shifts us from the need to be right and now motivates us to serve the other person. So if right now you're thinking in your mind, the person that you had in mind on Easter Sunday, when you checked that box a little too hard, you kind of tore the paper a little bit when you checked dealing with difficult people. Uh, That person right now, the question for you is, how can you serve them? How can you serve them? Well, you first have to be sympathetic. You have to take on the mind of Christ. Now you have to humble yourself and serve them. I've told this story before, but uh, when I was in management years ago, um, I had a direct supervisor that was just a spawn of Satan. (laughs) And um, she hated me. Um, even my, my coworkers, my fellow managers to be like, why does she hate you? I'm like, I don't know. I really don't know. Um, and they're like, you need to stand up for yourself and stop being so nice. I was like, no, you don't understand. Um, long suffering. I've got the long game in mind. I said, I'm going to win. I'm going to win. I'm going to win her over. And, um, I mean, you really can kill people with kindness. And, uh, and when you have that, like, okay, I'm just going to not let myself get emotional. They're going to, she, she would just disrespect me in front of other people, talk down to me, treat me like a dog, and I would just smile and say, is there anything else I can do? And my fellow managers, they'd be like, what? You gonna let her talk to you like that? I'm like, uh, as if like it would fix something. It wouldn't fix. Let's let's face it. You think you have to stand up for yourself, but you're not gonna fix anything. But if you choose to be humble and you learn how to serve people, you'll get the you'll get the respect that you wanted for. But if you demand respect, you'll never get it. So be respectable, which is to be humble and to serve. And I would just be like, anything else? I'd be glad to do it. And, and they'd be like, what are you doing? You, you didn't tell her that's not your job. And, uh, and I just will always learn to always say yes and um, choose humility. And eventually, I, I did win her over. I did win her over. All of a sudden, she started doing favors for me. And people were like, did she just say that she was going to take care of that for you? I'm like, she did. But you have to have long-suffering you have to be humble. And sometimes it's humiliating to humble yourself. And I'm not talking about 
being, like letting people walk all over you. Like, that's not what I'm saying. But I am asking the question, how can you serve that person? So the person that in your mind, when you checked the box and you tore the paper, that you thought they are a difficult person in my life, I want you to ask yourself, how can I serve them? Without expecting anything in return, if you humble yourself and you serve them, you will begin to see a shift in that difficulty that you're having with them. Because when you begin acting respectable and humble, you, they will give you respect. And all of a sudden, you will feel a shift in the anxiety levels of what you're dealing, dealing with. So humility shifts us from our need to be right and motivates us to serve the other person. Find ways to serve them. You can build back the connection and you, that you've lost. You can establish the respect that you've always wanted. But you can't demand it. You have to serve it. And I dare you to ask this question because maybe you're thinking, I need this message so bad because there's so many difficult people in my life. Everybody's difficult. I go to the store, difficult. I have Thanksgiving with family this weekend, difficult. I go to church, difficult. I want you to humble yourself enough and ask this question, am I being the difficult one? Am I the one being difficult? Are you the one that demands it your way? Are you the one that thinks if they would just understand, if they would just this, then it'd be fine. Ask yourself, am I the one? That's a difficult question to ask, maybe even a more difficult one to answer. So you may want to find a trusted person in your life. Give them permission to be honest with the guarantee that you will not be mad at them. And, and if you can uphold that kind of promise, then you should find a loving person in your life and say, am I the difficult one? And if somebody asks you that question, you better be humble in your response. Honest, but humble. That is not your opportunity to be like, I've been waiting my whole life for this. Are you the difficult one? Let me tell you the ways. You pull out your list, and you're like, Christmas 1999, let's start there. Here we go. No. Honest and humble. And recognize. I recognize it takes a lot of bravery for you to ask me that question. And you must trust me a lot to give you honest feedback. So let me just tell you, yes, yeah, sometimes I do find it difficult to communicate with you. Because there are times it just seems like it's impossible to please you. I don't know why. Because I do this and I try this and nothing seems to work. Can you help me understand? They go, wow, you're right. You have tried that. And I've not responded because I've been too busy being upset about Christmas 1999. You see, humble yourself, ask, am I the one being difficult? And it's likely the person you're thinking about, and maybe they're sitting over there and they're thinking about you, it's likely you're both being difficult. And humble yourself enough to be honest in answering that question. First Peter 3.8, if you don't believe anything I'm saying, that's okay. But if you believe the word is true, then hear this. It says, finally, all of you be, look at that, like-minded. Be, well, look at that, 
sympathetic. Love one another. Be compassionate. And look at that. Humble. Do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult. If you're dealing with a difficult person and that's your mode of communication, to repay, you, you're never going to get out of that, that, that difficulty. On the contrary, this is the tough one. Repay evil with blessing. So you get mistreated on the phone, how do you serve them? The Bible says how do you, that we overcome evil with what? With good. You should try it it works so don't repay evil with evil or insult with insult on the contrary repay evil with blessing because uh, to this you were called so that you may inherit a blessing you're called to this in other words as followers of Jesus this is how we deal with difficult people curse you bless you this is this is what we're called to be humble the fourth principle I want to uh, give you t- today is to be honoring. Honor, honor is, I think, really the secret sauce in dealing with difficult people. Um, I like to put it this way, you know, my grandparents had children that looked like them, and my parents had children that looked like them, and now my brothers and I all, you know, we, we resemble our parents. If you were to stand me next to my mom, you know, like we couldn't deny each other. My mom and I look very similar. Um, and, and now my brothers and I, uh, we have children that all have likeness to our spouses and ourselves. And, uh, and, it, and it's funny because I remember I was sitting on my grandmother's lap when I was in about the first grade. Uh, my grandfather had just passed away from lung cancer, from asbestos that he was in, got in contact as a young man, and he passed away. And I'm in first grade, I'm sitting on my grandmother's lap, and she took a hold of my hand. And then she looked at my hand, and tears began to swell up in her eyes, and she says, oh my gosh, you have your grandfather's hands. And I didn't know hands were that, like, noticeable. But I can tell you, I look at my boys and I go, those are my hands. Like we, we see likeness in our families. And it's one of the things that helps connect us together that we bear the image of our ancestors. That my grandfather, that it's like these are his hands that will continue. Um, we bear the image of our ancestors and our children will bear our image. So it's, it's natural for us to adore these things about our family. And, to, and uh, it's natural to connect with those that have even a likeness to us. But there is something that makes each and every single one of us significant. And this is the, where the, the secret sauce of honor is so important. When you're thinking about dealing with difficult people, there is something that makes that difficult person in your life extremely significant. And if you'll see what is so significant in them, you'll choose to to just shower them with honor. You will choose to serve them humbly. 
you'll, you'll choose to be like-minded. You'll choose to be sympathetic because you see something in them that is so significant that it deserves honor. And that is that every single person bears the likeness and image of God. And if you can't honor the difference in them, the difficulty between you, then at least choose to honor God's image on them. So honor is the ability to see the significance of other people, even difficult people. Why? Because ultimately they carry the image of God. When I was a little boy, I grew up in this place called George Jr. Republic in Grove City, Pennsylvania. George Jr. is basically a compound where juvenile delinquents are court ordered to live there. I was not court ordered to live there, um, but I grew up there because my parents were social workers and and, uh, I grew up in a group home where my parents were cottage parents, social workers. We had 12 inner city kids that lived in our group home. And it was like a, a whole small city of group homes in this compound is where I grew up. And um, there was this, uh, we called it the AD building. It was where all the administrative people worked. And there's offices there. And in the AD building, there was a break room. And, uh, and none of the boys that lived there were allowed to go in this break room. is for employees only. Uh, but my dad obviously was known and he worked there. And so when I would go to the AD building with my dad, he, we would go into that break room. And every once in a while, there'd be a box of powdered donuts in there. The only time in my life as a child that I ever had a powdered donut because my family, we were poor. We never bought donuts. But, and there was also a Coke machine in there. I'm talking like, you remember the old Coke machine where like, uh, this is probably just marketing, but the Coke button was this big. Do you remember this? Like the Coke button was the size of your palm, then all the other flavors were little. I remember walking in there and I'd hit that Coke button every day, every time. Every time I in there, I'd hit that Coke button just hoping and wishing a pop would fall out because I didn't have money. And it wasn't until I was much older in life that I realized my dad was probably planting money in that machine because he caught on that we'd run in there and I'd hit, the, I'd hit that and I'd hit every other button. It was like, just hoping and praying a pop would fall out because we never drank pop as a family. And, um, and so every once in a while, I'd go into that break room and I'd hit that big Coke button and one would fall out. And so for the rest of my life, every time as a kid, when I saw a pop machine, my brother and I, we hit every single button hoping that one would fall out. And now I have memories of my dad saying, hey, did you check that machine over there? Like, boom, a pop falls out. I mean, this feels like a gift from God. And now I realize as a dad, what was really going on. But one time my dad was busy talking with an administrator in an office and I saw the door to the break room. I was like, I wonder if there's powdered donuts in there in that pop machine. So I go in there and I hit every button. Well, there was somebody in there. They said, hey, you're not supposed to be in here. And I froze. I knew I wasn't. And he says, oh, you're Grant Galloway's boy. And because I know your daddy, come on in. And I was like, got any of those powdered donuts? In other words, he saw, you're Grant Galloway's boy. I know your daddy, so I'll give you the benefit of the doubt. And in dealing with difficult people, this is how we can honor people, to see the significance in them. And say, you know what, as 
difficult as you are. I know who your father is. And I will at least honor the image of God in you, even though you are a real thorn in my side. That takes humility. That takes sympathy. That takes having the mind of Christ. To be able to say, because I know your daddy, I'm going to give you the benefit of the doubt. And I will continue to serve you. And that will, that will move mountains in the difficulties that you're having with others. If you will learn how to serve them, honor them, see their significance. And ultimately what that is doing is now you're calling the significance out of them. That they may have even forgotten that they are significant. And you can, you can kind of mine through the dirt of their life and find the treasure. And by the, you, the way you treat them, they can be able to see, oh, I'm significant. Oh, I'm, I'm worth it. And it's, yeah, if we choose to honor the significance of God and people, we can do that. Because here's the thing, there is no, there is not a stronger bond. There is no stronger bond than when two people are mutually honoring one another. There's just no stronger bond. Because if you have one person honoring and one person just being chaotic, that's frustrating. It is. But eventually, if two people choose honor, and if the difficult person that you're thinking of right now, and if they're in the room and they're thinking of you, if you will just choose to honor one another, there's not a stronger bond than two people serving one another, being sympathetic towards one another, being understanding towards one another. Hey, it didn't go my way, no problem. And then when you give somebody a win, they're gonna go, going to go talk to your spouse and be like, honey, I just had a win. You're like, with, with them? With them? I just had a win. You've never had a win. I know. And now what? Now something in you is going to go, I need to give them a win. So the real question in dealing with difficult people and, and, and that they have to honor one another, the real question is, is who goes first? Who's going to go first? And I'll tell you, you go first. Well, pastor said you go first. Was he talking to them? I'm talking to you. Talking to me? I'm talking to you. You go first. That we all have a personal responsibility to go first. Well, I'll go first when they go. (laughs) No, you just go first. Because the Holy Spirit's response to you is sympathy and comfort That needs to be our response. There's no stronger bond than when two people mutually honor one another. Now, the Apostle Paul, he teaches this far, far, far better than me. He teaches it so good that we should just read it. And as we read this from Romans chapter 12, I want you to read this and be thinking about that this is the the manual for dealing with difficult people. Are you ready? Let's, let's, let's go. It's Romans 12. You don't have to read it out loud. Just read along with me on the screens. This is what Paul says. He says, love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourself. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. So when you're dealing with difficult people, it's you're not serving them, you're serving the Lord by serving them. He says, be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, 
faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless, do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on who? You. As far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge. Dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. In other words, God will take care of them. God says, it is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. So if you think because of the way they've treated you that you've got to withhold love from them and you have to punish them, don't. God's really good at it. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. So that difficult person in your life, if they're hungry, feed them. If they're thirsty, give them something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on their head. That sounds fun. <laughs> and when I've had difficult people in my life and I make that, that choice, I'm gonna win them over. What I'm saying is I'm gonna heap burning coals on their head. And it's actually really, really fun. Because it's the godly way. If, well, if I can't take revenge, at least I can pour burning coals on their head. It's so fun. Because ultimately what, the, what it means is this, is that when, by doing so, it will melt the hardest of hearts. Oh, you're hungry? Let me help you. Oh, you were slacking on the job and now you, now you want me to come help you. Let me help you. And also, while I help you, let me tell you how you can help yourself in the future. What I like to do is I like to plan ahead and see how we're, now we're having to do this and it's five o'clock and now we have to stay over. If you would have gone through these steps earlier in the day, we wouldn't have to be here. Oh, you're right. I didn't see it. Yeah, but let me help you. Let's do it together. Boom, 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 right? Now you're melting the hardest of hearts. Why you this and why you that? Soft words. Serve. And by using these principles, you too can heap burning coals on their head. And the funny thing is, it's actually just by doing good. And you can melt the hardest of hearts. Is this helping anybody? Okay, I'm going to real quick because, uh, like I said, this is so much content. But real quick, I think it's important because when we're talking about dealing with difficult people, we're also talking about having conflict with people. Okay, so I'm going to give you this real quick and see. Uh, again, the notes are online. You can get them online or you can take a picture of the screen if the screen stay on. That one looks blurry, so you might want to use this one over here. But real quick, I'm going to give you the 10 commandments for confrontation. Real quick. And then, then we're going to pray. We're going to dismiss the worship team of play. But real quick, 10 commandments for confrontation because confrontation has to happen in healthy relationships. Uh, n n number one, do it privately, not publicly. Do it privately, not publicly. You go to them directly. Uh, no, no passive aggressive uh, posts on social media. Don't, don't, don't do that. 
like, like you might see a really good meme and be like, oh yeah, I'm gonna share that and I hope they read it. And I hope they read between the lines. No, 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 you need to go talk to them privately. Don't do it publicly. Um, uh, no, number two, uh, don't wait. Do it as soon as possible. So, so if you need to share how someone may have offended you or, or a, a struggle that you have, you need to go to them like, like now. Like you need to go, don't wait, do it as soon as possible. Number three, speak to one issue at a time. Don't bring your list. Okay, Christmas 1999, and then so on and so forth. No, one issue at a time. Number four, uh, once you've made a point, don't keep repeating it. Sometimes we, I don't know, maybe we just like to hear ourselves talk too much, I don't know. But just, just make your point, don't repeat it. In other words, don't, don't, don't beat them up over it, okay? It's, it's already hard enough to do. Number five, deal with the actions, deal with actions the person can change not the things they can't change. Number six, avoid sarcasm. Avoid sarcasm, it it backfires every single time. Number seven, avoid words like always and never. You always and you never, avoid it, avoid it. You need to be a little bit more, be more creative in how you talk, be more tactful, think through it, lower the anxiety before you have these conversations. Number eight, if possible, present criticism as suggestions or questions. And that's take some creativity on the front side, right? Um, number nine, don't apologize for the need to meet. It should, this needs to be normative. Like, hey, hey, let's talk, right? We need to talk. We need to talk about, about what's going on. Don't apologize because it's not a bad thing. We need to have those conversations. And number 10, don't forget compliments. Don't forget to, in other words, to, to continue to let them know that you're important, you're significant, and things like that. And last of all, what I would like to say is that confrontation can be conversation. That's key. Confrontation can be a conversation. It doesn't have to be chaotic. We, we can, it can be like this. We're gonna work this out. And then pray and move forward. All right, that was, that was my 10 commandments for confrontation. I hope that helps you. Let's all stand. We're gonna wrap this up and uh, somebody's hungry and I don't wanna be the difficult person in your life. I want, yeah, so I wanna serve you and hopefully that you can get lunch real soon and you'll be super happy and dealing with difficult people because again, I think there's a third emotion that I can't handle and make important decisions and that's hunger. And so right now we're getting too hungry. Bad things are gonna happen. But let's pray. Father, you are the best at relationships. You are the best at dealing with difficult people because you have dealt with me and you have been patient with me and you have been kind to me and you continue to believe in me. Help us, Lord, lay down our ways for your ways. I pray that we would take on the mind of Christ, that we would have sympathy towards one another, that we would be humble and that we, God, would be honoring towards one another. I pray for every person in this place that has a difficult person in their mind that they would take incredible steps forward this holiday season to rebuild the bridges that have been broken by the difficulties and the relationships and that we would just choose love, patience, kindness, goodness. Help us with these things in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. Be blessed.